Hello, and once again, welcome to Super Rainwave Podcast. We bring you original soundtracks, remixes, and arrangements. I'm Matt. And this is Tom Helmuth. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, here at the top of the show, we, let's, I just want to briefly mention a few games I've been playing recently. Um, I recently beat Braid, uh, the indie uh, sort of platform puzzle game. What do you um, think of that? I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I really, I mean, first off, the, both the art and the music are really good, which makes it more fun to play in the first place. Um, but the puzzles were, um, I thought, really enjoyable. They were difficult in that you had to think about them, but not so difficult that you had to, like, go to a walkthrough for every puzzle. Um, yeah. um, I beat it, I don't know, a year, two years ago, and there were a few puzzles where I thought, you know, this really isn't that intuitive. But aside from that, it... It's visually and orally really pleasing. Um, I'm curious what you thought, without spoiling too much of the story, because it was really polarizing when it came out. Yeah, the story didn't really grab me, especially since I played it over like a long period of time. I started it like half a year ago and then finally finished it, and so like I didn't really remember the story and didn't really get it. <laughs> um, so the story was a little blah for me, but. But the other aspects of the game, I thought, were great. Um, yeah, what do you think? Um, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm not going to say anything about it except that the way the game ended, I thought, was really an impressive use of game mechanics. And I'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, I, I, could, I could definitely agree with that. Um, so I, uh, after I beat that, I've recently been uh, playing, well, replaying a little uh, Super Mario 64, um, which I haven't played in ages, but I was recently watching the uh, Summer Games Done Quick runs, and uh, watching some of those old 64 runs made me want to play it again. Um, yeah, watching Sig is just so impressive. Yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't seen uh, these speedrunners, you should definitely check out uh, the Awesome Games Done Quick and Summer Games Done Quick. Um, there's some really fun things to watch uh, if you're into seeing some speedrunning. Um, but anyway, I think that's about it on my end. Have you been playing anything interesting recently? Um, yeah, I recently beat Little Big Planet because I just finally have a PS3 now. Sure. How, how was that? Um, it's a really interesting game, I just, I don't know, it's pretty light on gameplay. Like, there's not much challenge until the very last areas. Sure. The, uh, I don't know anything about the game, but I, I do remember enjoying the soundtrack when it comes up on Rainwave. It's an interesting soundtrack. It doesn't really grab you in-game, which is kind of weird. Hmm, interesting. Um, aside from that, I just picked up Fez. Um, oh, good! Yeah, so... I, I played Fez a year or two ago, and... I definitely recommend it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, what strikes me is that the it's the game mechanic. I think it's the most intuitive of any of the the indie smash hit games. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's this the way it plays. There are a couple of puzzles I can't figure out yet, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like they're unfair. Sure. Yeah, there, you'll get to, if you, like, try to 100% it, there are definitely some puzzles that you won't, well, probably won't be able to figure out on your own, because um, some of them are really strange, but uh, uh, other than that, most of the game is, is pretty fair and is definitely a good game. Yeah, and the soundtrack was Disaster Piece, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put together a soundtrack that it's funny. I don't really enjoy listening to the soundtrack by itself, but I do really like it in game. I think it fits in game really well. Yeah, the whole game has this kind of—it's almost like this light, sort of psychedelic feeling. The way it, these really out of out of nowhere areas, like there's an area that was like a Game Boy game. Yeah, yeah, that one's crazy. Yeah. Jumping around between that and like cyberspace and all this. You have right. this really fuzzed out noise channel soundtrack for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's if you, if you guys haven't uh, played Fez, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, um, well, with that in mind, I guess let's get into today's show. Great. This week we're going to be looking at a series of arrangement albums that I think is probably the most interesting currently running series out there called the SQ Albums. I don't think there's a more succinct name for them than that. Is there? I, I haven't run across any. It's it's hard to find too much information about these. Well, uh, we obviously, these albums were released by uh, Square Enix um, and are arrangements of lots of Square Enix games. Um, lots of Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger and... Uh, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, what makes these um, what makes these interesting? The reason we're featuring them, I think, is twofold. For one, they are well to back up briefly in case you're not familiar with the concept of an arrangement album. It's been commonplace since the late '80s for a publisher to release not only the soundtrack to their game, but to either have their sound team or some contracted musicians or composers take those songs and rearrange them, or cover them with a live band, or remix them, or mash them up. Um, and these albums have always been pretty popular in Japan. They, have, they sort of break through recently into the Western market, but not much. The SQ albums are special in that they aren't just, here's an album of acoustic music. It's, they're really bizarre themes that touch on theme, on styles of music that you don't hear. Definitely, yeah, yeah, and there's there's a wide range of of styles and genres represented in these uh, albums. There's some of the albums are entirely uh, based on chiptune arrangements, um, and so we'll definitely be hearing some of that today. Um, but some of the other albums are based on swing music or down tempo music or yeah, it's there's just these weird themes you wouldn't even think of some of them. This first track's actually gonna show sort of the extremes to which they go on that. And the albums also have weird names. It's almost more like the albums themed after a single word. Yeah, yeah. Which is it, cool. It is cool. Um, and it's, it, it was a lot of fun. I actually wasn't very familiar with these albums before going and listening to them, but I think there's 16 or 17 albums that have been released in this series, and so I went through and listened to every single one, um, which was a lot of music, but... Uh, I, it definitely was fun to listen through them, and um, I, I was excited to find some really great tracks to play for this episode. I wasn't that dedicated. I just waited for your track list to come in and then listened to ones you didn't feature. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, anyway, this first track is from what was the weirdest album in the series. It might have been recently upset by another one. Hmm. Um, this one's called Beer SQ. I mm -hmm. like this one. It's the whole thing is 
taking square music and arranging it like pub music. Yeah, yeah. And the vibe of the album's incredible because you feel like you're just sitting in this European tavern in, I don't even know what time period that would have been. But yeah. It's a lot of accordion and um, not pretty strings, just kind of, I don't know what word is for it, but kind of strings that are a little harsher. Sure. Um, some light plucked instruments. It's a really interesting experience that you don't hear very often. It's a lot easier if you just hear it for yourself, so um, we're going to play for you an arrangement of the second Densetsu Free song, Can You Fly Sister, by Mohican Families.
right, that was uh, Can You Fly Sister from Second Intensive 3. Uh, that was not. <laughs> Get these settings right. Um, there you go. That last track was arranged and performed by Mohican's fa Mohican Families. Um, I grabbed it because I thought it was the most evocative song that wasn't already covered by later songs we're playing. Sure. Um, yeah. It's a... It's a really nice arrangement, um, very folksy, and sounds like something you'd like hear at a Renaissance fair or something. Yeah, what gets me about it is that it feels so organic. Like, yeah. it's almost more like a jam, like that breakdown right in the middle with the, the sudden plucked part. It all feels really natural, it doesn't feel like a contrived folk song. Yeah, yeah, the, the best folk songs feel like that, feel like they're... Uh, a plan band playing live and uh, just taking cues from each other and things like that. I actually almost get a little bit of like a Fleet Foxes feeling from this. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Um, so I'm going to go basically as far to the other end of the spectrum as you could get um, from a, a folksy little song to a very uh, fast and upbeat chiptune song. Uh, this is going to be from the SQ Chips album, which is uh, arranges a bunch of uh, Square Enix music in chiptune style. Um, and so we're going to be hearing a song that was originally on Final Fantasy Adventure, which was uh, on the Game Boy. Um, this song is going to be Final Battle and Mana Palace by Sexy Th Synthesizer.
Okay, that was Final Battle and Mana Palace uh, by Sexy Synthesizer from the game Final Fantasy Adventure, um, which was originally composed by Kenji Ito for the Game Boy. Um, that track comes from the SQ Chips album, and uh, we're just discussing, so Final Fantasy Adventure, which uh, we released, was released in North America, um, was uh, second Densetsu in Japan, um, and then the next game in that series was uh, Secret of Mana, which was then second Densetsu two in Japan. Um, and so, so this is sort of the from the the first game in the Mana series. Um, but this this track is is great. Um, they you. Uh, well, they do a lot of things in this track that you usually don't hear in chiptunes, like a lot of slides and a lot of uh, notes that fall chromatically and uh, really, really interesting, fast-paced, uh, dancey chiptune. It's it's just great. Yeah, this is this is an artist that I love, and a lot of her music is like this, like that beat right now that you're hearing. You don't usually hear that in chip music. Most people stick to either four on the floor, or they go more progressive in this. Right. You don't hear it just shifted. Right, and this is so fast-paced and so energetic, it's it's just so, so much fun to listen to. Yeah, and the entire SQ Chips album is just like this. They had these wild arrangements, like, you wouldn't hear this on any, on any other album. That right, definitely. Breakdown. Yeah, yeah, and then there's this weird bridge section, and... Um, it's at, when I first heard this bridge section, I was like, oh, "Is this really fit in?" But I, I sort of like it. It's a nice sort of uh, mellow section in between the two uh, fast-paced sections. I, I think it really works. Yeah, it builds up a little bit, and then that the way he slips right back into the main final battle section is just perfect. Yeah, definitely. I actually want to uh, stick with the SQ Chips thing here for a minute. Okay. But go to SQ Chips Two, which was. I guess it's kind of obvious it was the second album. Yep. This one, they got a little more out there. They had they had just these weird arrangements, like uh, you heard some people bringing in a lot more non-chip elements, like on the Tobal number 1 track. Mm -hmm. You had um, 
some styles that were a little more hit and miss, like they were trying to reach a little more, and sometimes it really worked. Um, I'm actually going to be playing a track that I really would not expect to be playing. It's the Final Fantasy opening theme, or the prelude. Okay. And I am so jaded toward this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there, between every Final Fantasy game, and every arrangement album, and every Daojin project, and every OC Remix project, there are hundreds of versions of this song. Yeah, and yeah. And they the same. Right, there's, there's uh, definitely a few diamonds in the rough, but there's a lot of rough. Um, and I know what you mean, like almost every single one of these SQ albums had a, a, a prelude arrangement on it, and it, whenever those came up, it's like, oh, okay, another prelude. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I would give a nod to the Battle SQ version, which, that, or was that a different one? There was one that was pretty interesting in another album. Mm-hmm. That I, I forget, I do remember one or two of them on these being good. Um, I'd also actually give a shout out to the recent uh, OC Remix album, uh, Final Fantasy Battle and Ruin, um, which I think is the Final Fantasy VI Remix album, yes. if I'm correct. Um, so that one had a really good uh, prelude remix on it, so, so I'd, I'd say check that one out as well. Um, but this one, it... It's the second to last track on the album, and I listened through, and I was thinking, great, I I have to listen to this before I hear more sexy synthesizer. Right. Um, but the arranger, YMCK, is a classic chiptune artist. They've been around for a decade now. Oh, interesting. Um, and they just took it in a direction I've never heard before, and they really made it their own. Um... I'm going to go ahead and play it for you now, and then we'll come back and talk about why it's effective. This is the Final Fantasy opening theme from SQ Chips 2.
That was, uh, once again, the opening theme from Final Fantasy, as performed by YMCK on the SQ Chips 2 album. A little bit of a prelude in there, too, if you listen closely. Mm-hmm. Um, this is cool because they just... They just totally own the song. They, they change it up, they change the groove of the song. Uh, they do their own thing with it during the bridges. Um, they do everything they can to separate themselves from what Yamatsu composed. Yeah, this is so different. It's so, like, I, I never would have thought that this song would sound so good in such a swingy style. Um, and not, not only that, but you rarely hear chiptune songs that are so swingy in themselves. So, like, we're, we're getting a very jazzy take on this song, and it's also in chiptune, which makes it really cool. Yeah, I think most artists actually would have trouble composing in a swing beat because of the tricks you have to use to work between lines. Right. And it's, like, this right here, this sounds so good. It sounds like a an improv solo, um, and it's obviously not since it's in a chiptune, but it's it's really cool how they, they put those types of little uh, flourishes into the song. Yeah, and... The closer you listen, the more you hear these little things, these little runs that sound like it's just someone riffing on a keyboard. Right, right. <laughs> Alright, great. Um, so let's go on to my next track. Um, I'm going to be playing a song from the Cafe SQ album, um, which I think is sort of similar to the Beer SQ album in that it's sort of meant to sound like it's taking place in a cafe. Um, that type of music. So I'm going to be playing uh, an arrangement from Chrono Trigger. Um, this is going to be the song Jolly Ol' Specchio, uh, which was arranged by Little Fats and Swingin' Hot Shot Party.
Welcome back. That was Jolly Old Specchio uh, from Chrono Trigger by uh, Little Fats and the Swingin' Hotshot Party. Uh, that was game... Uh, Chrono Trigger is obviously released for the Super Nintendo and was composed uh, primarily by Yasunori Mitsuda. Um, and that song came from the Cafe SQ album. Uh, I really like that song because it's it's laid back, and but it's, it's so happy and upbeat. Um, it's... It just reminds me of like, I don't know, like sitting down by the edge of a river with a fishing pole and taking a nap or something like that. It just, just has that very laid back summer feeling to it. Yeah, I can kind of hear that. I was almost thinking more of like RPG shop music. Mm, yeah, I could see that too. But um, yeah, not not too much else to say about it, but it's, I'm, uh, this track just makes me feel happy. And what's that? Do you hear that percussion, a little scraping sound? What yeah, that sort, that? it sort of sounds like a washboard, maybe, or one um, of those things that's like, um, it's like a thing you hold in your hand and rub the stick back and forth across. I um, don't know a name for it. Yeah, I don't know what that's called either. But yeah, that's uh, it's it's either a washboard or one of those things. It, it, it definitely has a, it gives a nice touch to the song. I like it. And I like that little whistling sound right there too. Yeah, those those whistles, the the I think those are called slide whistles because you can uh, you slide them in and out to like make those yeah, uh, funny sounds. I yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I'm gonna go to another album now. This is from the album More SQ. I I don't know if that one really had any concept. It might have been the odd man out. Right. Um. Because it's more. It's just more, yeah. And I can respect that. Yep. Uh, this one is by an artist called Idiot Pop, which I know nothing about. Love a name, though. Yep. Um, this one goes back to a lesser-known SNES game called Live a Live. Or is it Live Alive? I'm not uh, really sure. I've always thought it was Live Alive. Like, uh, like, you're living a... But that doesn't really make sense either. Uh, more sense or anything else? Yeah, barely. <laughs> um, this is... It's not very well known, except among enthusiasts, but the soundtrack was a little more intense than most of our other RPGs. But this arrangement of the song Megalomania uh, sort of does its own thing. I'll just let you take a gander at it. Okay.
That was, um, Live Alive, I guess, I Megalomania, guess. <laughs> um, arranged by Idiot Pop, composed originally by Yoko Shimomura, and I was drawn to this one because it's so weird. It's, I mean, it's just this aggressive piano and this really consistent snare percussion. Mm-hmm. It's, it just has a huge tack on it, and... Like, there's, there's rolls here, they don't build anything, but it barely changes. Right, it's very, it's a very constant song. It's constant, but, you know, I think I like it because there's already so much tension. Right, right. And then, it builds up eventually, and you have... What is it, about two minutes in, there's that bridge section? Right. Which, again, doesn't change much, but... It does what it needs to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it reminds me actually a lot of a Japanese band called Midori, that's sort of this uh, jazz punk band. Interesting, I haven't heard of them. And they have stuff like this where they're just a little harsher, but they'll have. they'll just smash a piano and then do a run into like a punk rock breakdown. Huh, interesting. <laughs> I guess that's why I was so into this one. Sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Alright, great. Um, so, I'm going to move on to another uh, Chips album. Um, they, a big part of the SQ Chips series, or the SQ album series, is um, they really, they've released five different uh, Final Fantasy Chips albums um, for Final Fantasies, it looks like, 7 through 11. Um, so I'm going to be playing something off of the uh, Final Fantasy IX Chips album. Uh, this is probably, well, either this song or my next song is my favorite song I'm, I'll be playing today. So this, this is a really good one. Uh, this is by uh, Ajipon, or I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, and this is going to be, this is obviously arranged originally, or composed originally by Nobuo Uematsu. And I'm going to be playing Mount Gulag.
All right, that was Mount Gulag uh, from Final Fantasy IX. That was arranged by Ad Japon. Uh, from uh, that was originally composed by Nobuo Uematsu for the PlayStation. Um, that's from the Final Fantasy IX Chips album. Um, that's yeah, I, I love that song. The I love how hard hitting it is, and uh, I love the 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 technical work that he. Put in to, to get the stuttering in the drums and um, how it it really mixes things up at different points and even though it's it can be a little repetitive it doesn't like it doesn't seem to go on autopilot like the drums change in different sections and stuff so it's just a song I've always really liked. Um, it it's a really heavy song. Probably yeah, it, the heaviest one on any of those albums with maybe one exception. Right, yeah, it's it's definitely a heavy chiptune song, um, which I know isn't for everybody, but um, <laughs> I tend to like those those heavier chiptunes. A lot of the modern chiptune albums uh, have a sound sort of like this. Um, I I went and listened to the original because I wasn't familiar with it, and it's it's interesting. It's a much more uh, like folk or minstrel sounding song with like tambourines and. And a lot slower tempo, so it's interesting that uh, they took it and uh, made it so upbeat and fast and and hard hitting. So, it, but I'm I'm really glad they did. Yeah, this is an interesting one, but I'd like to listen to something a little bit less intense now. All right. Only after seven minutes of that, I just let's see. Next, I've got one from uh, going back to Cafe SQ for a minute here. Great. I didn't really want to have that much overlap, but when I saw this game was in the track list, I just had to play it. This is from a somewhat lesser-known game called Do Prism, or it was released overseas here as Threads of Fate. Uh, Square Enix, or Squaresoft back then, RPG composed by Junya Nakanal. Soundtrack is criminally underrated. I mean, seriously, go out, listen to it now. Yeah, I, I haven't even heard of this game. <laughs> um, but this one is an arrangement of the Do Prism Last Dungeon into the theme of Do Prism, arranged by Millstones, who you might know is composing the soundtrack to Another Bound Neo. So okay, that gives yeah. you a sense of what he's about. Sure. Um, and yeah, let's give us a listen.
That was the Do Prism Last Dungeon and Theme of Do Prism from Cafe SQ arranged by Millstones. Um, this one, it was just such a, a pleasant song. Like, they take that soundtrack and they make it sort of jazzy, they make it really laid back. Uh, not down tempo, but just there's no tension whatsoever, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I really like the melody. It's a it's a simple melody, but it uh, it's interesting, even though they repeat it quite a bit, and um, they did a good job arranging this track. I think what does it for me is that blend of the piano line and that chiptune line. Mm. Which we were just saying, everybody uses chiptunes on these albums, no matter what. Right, yeah, it's interesting that even the not-specifically chiptune albums have a lot of chiptune elements in them. Um, and in fact, we're going to be hearing that on my next track as well, I think. Um, any, did you want to say anything else about this track? Uh, no, I think that pretty much does it. Great, so I, I'm going to move on to another uh, Chrono Trigger arrangement. Um, this is going to be from the Love SQ album. Um, and this is going to be an arrangement by Livetune, and it's going to be the Outskirts of Time Livetune remix.
All right, welcome back. Uh, that is Outskirts of Time by Livetune off of the Love SQ album, uh, a, an arrangement of the Outskirts of Time theme from Chrono Trigger. Um, we had to cut that one off a little early because it's a seven minute track and we don't have all day, but- uh, Well, you don't. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it's, I, I really like this whole track. All seven minutes of it are good. Um, well, you'll get to hear the rest of it in the background, but it's, it's basically the same. Um, I think this is actually the second uh, Outskirts of Time remix that I've played um, on the podcast. Because so I think I played one um, back during the uh, acoustic episode, if I remember I correctly. So. Yeah. So anyway, the, gotta love this theme. Um, and the, they did a really good job. Lifetune did a really good job of taking it and uh, making it interesting, even though it's a, a song that's had many remixes in the past. Um, there's a lot of good, uh, like, uh, tidbits and things added in, especially like during the chorus. The, uh, I was noticing there's these flares, or I don't know what you'd call them, but they're, they're notes that sort of dance all over the place. and. Um, and that, and the glitchy drums, and it's it's just a really good arrangement. And it's such a full song, too. I mean, there's there's so much going on at any given time. Right, right. So so that's a it's a long track, but I, I definitely want to, uh, along with Mount Gulag, those are, those were definitely my two favorites that I uh, found while listening to these SQ albums. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed that one. Good. I actually want to play, I think this is going to be our last chiptune track. Okay. Last fully chiptune track. Yeah, my, I think my last one has a lot of chiptune elements, but isn't really fully chiptune. I'm really curious why it is that Square's arrangers and composers like it that much, but it works, whatever it is. Right. This one, we're going back to the first SQ Chips album again, we heard... Uh, the second Densetsu song earlier, Final Fantasy Gaiden. I don't, I don't know which name we're using for anymore. Right. This is the first track on the album. It's Chrono Trigger um, by DJ OMKT and MJ. Alphabet Soup. Um, this one, when I first found the album, I, I didn't know anything about this SQ series. And I grabbed it and I started listening to it. And right out of the gate, this just hits you. Yeah, and it is such a, a powerful start to the record, and a really cool arrangement, a really yeah. good fusion of elements. Definitely, I'm really glad you you chose this track because this was uh, just missed the cut for me. Um, so, so I'm I'm glad uh, I get to hear it this episode anyway. Yeah, it was this or there is um, a Dragon Dragoon Chips music album, which is Dragon Guard and Near. Mm -hmm. it just came out recently. And both of us were really close to picking it, and we just didn't quite make it happen. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, there's some good tracks on that album, but they just didn't quite hold up to some of the, the other albums. So it just didn't quite make it for me. Yeah, the ones that I like the most, I just would rather play another time. Right. But uh, Chrono Trigger, here it is.
right. Uh, you know, I just want to hear that opening again real quick. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear that. Because this is so cool the way this song starts out. They start the entire album with no chiptune whatsoever. Right. Mm -hmm. I love this transition right here. And it's so smooth, and if you listen closely, I don't know if that's chiptune in the background or not, but the snare is still there the entire time. Right. The, uh, so the, I love that opening, because cause it, it sounds, it fakes you out so bad, like, it's, it sounds like it's going to be a very orchestral arrangement of uh, the Chrono Trigger theme, and then it, when the uh, those chiptunes come in, it's just awesome. Yeah, it sounds so grand, it doesn't even sound really like Chrono Trigger to me at first. Right, right, because it, it's, it's, it's beyond the 16-bit sound to begin with. You have that, like, full orchestra sound, and then then it, like, totally goes 180 degrees the other direction to get to the 8-bit. The so it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you picked this track. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and the whole time you have, there's that snare pattern, and there's these other little things. Like, coming up right here, there's a bridge where, here, you have, um, I'll, it, I'm not sure what kind of synth it is, but it's clearly not chiptune. Right. And I love to keep bringing that back, there's this dichotomy. Yeah, definitely. It's just a really effective sort of fusion of old and new elements. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and that, not only that, but they, this, this song is so fun to listen to. I mean, obviously the, the original theme is so well known and a, a great track to begin with, but but they took it and, and made it such an interesting electronic track, um, and it's it's a great track. Yeah, they also, if you listen here, a lot of songs on these albums have a bridge and then they come right back to the beginning, basically, mm -hmm. the same theme. And this one, it comes off of that sort of synthy woodwind bridge, and it comes into something even more dramatic and then comes back to the hook. Right, right, definitely. And I think that's really refreshing compared to some of the other artists on here. Yeah, yeah. Alright, well, um, let's move on to something a little less chippy. Uh, this is going to be from, I think, it, it, from it's from SQ Swing. Is this the most recent uh, SQ album? Yeah, it just came out, like... Month, yeah, two months ago. Yeah, May twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen is what I'm getting. So yeah, it's about a little over a month old. Um, this is uh, obviously a very jazzy, swingy album, um, and so I'm going to be playing a song from Final Fantasy VI. Uh, it's been arranged by King Columbia, uh, and this is going to be Johnny C. Bad.
Welcome back. That was Johnny C. Bad from Final Fantasy VI, arranged by King Columbia, originally composed by Nobuo Uematsu uh, for the Super Nintendo. That's off of the recently released uh, SQ Swing album. Um, if you like that and uh, you want to hear other Square Enix songs that are done in a swing style, I'd definitely recommend this album. Um, but but this, I, I really liked this arrangement. Um, obviously, the original is... Uh, in that sort of rock jazz style um, of Johnny Be Good, um, but it's uh, this arrangement takes it and and kicks it up a notch and uh, has really good live instrumentation and it's just just a fun track to listen to. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call the original jazzy at all. It's more it's really calling back Chuck Berry's rockabilly style or old yeah. school rock and roll. That's true, yeah, yeah. But this definitely pulls off the swing style really well with it. Right. And it has it has all these tropes that go back to the 30s, you know, that the old swing artists set. And you can tell this that King Columbia is really familiar with them. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, I like the, um, the uh, stand-up bass solo in the middle of the track, and there's um, really good horn section and good saxophones in there. It's they he pulls it off really well. Yeah, we were just saying the rest of the album. There's some swing and there's some stuff that's just kind of out there, but this definitely um, is really true to the album's name. Yeah, so that's kind of refreshing. It is. Yeah, there there are some weird tracks on the album. Um, but but there there's a lot of good good swingy tracks on the album too. Yeah, if you can get past track one, I think it really pays off well. <laughs> yeah, the the first track on the album is sort of weird. You you were saying it's like all whistling, I think. Um yeah, it's a medley of different songs from RPGs, but it's all acapella and whistling and hand claps. Yeah, that's that's a little strange. <laughs> um, got something. This is my last track for today. Going to one we haven't played yet, this is going to be from Chill SQ. And this is cool because you never hear chill out, down-tempo music in the remix scene. It's pretty rare. When you do, it's usually more ambient than this. Right. Um, the whole album's really interesting because they play on that in different ways. It's also a shorter one. Um, most of their albums are a little longer than this. But... I grabbed this track from Front Mission, which is a game we haven't touched at all, and it's not pretty much never talked about. Yeah, yeah, it's. I've heard. Um, actually, I think on some of the other video game music podcasts I listen to, I've heard some of the Front Mission tracks played, um, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, we have it on Rainwave, I believe. I like it when it comes up, but I've never heard about it. Yeah. Um, soundtrack. This track, at least, was composed by Noriko Matsueda. Um, I butchered that. Um, arranged by Okadara. I, I'll just run with it. Great. This is Front Mission Within Living Memory.
that was again front mission within living memory um, arranged by Okadada from Chill SQ album and I grabbed this one because it is and you want to talk about tracks that build up this this track has the longest build of anything we've played probably on a podcast yeah it starts out so low key with the trance like piano and then it slowly brings in elements and then you finally have a couple of these glitchy transitions that pull in the full beat and it becomes a down-tempo, um, a little bit trip-hop song. Mm, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. I, lo- I love the how, how much variety there is in this song. There are different sections that, that really have entirely different feels, but that all weave together really nicely. Um, it's... It, it definitely pulls pulls together uh, the song in different ways and pulls you in different directions as the song goes. But it also never loses the chill-out, relaxing feeling that it has going on. Right. Even right. when it brings in the heavy drum beat, it still is distant. The recording makes it sound like you're apart from it. Sure, yeah, definitely. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said... Uh, Trip hop. This definitely reminds me of a lot of other trip hop I've heard. Let's see. Should we let this play out while we, because the next song is the last one, I believe. Yeah. So we have only one more song. Um, but before we get to that, do you want to talk a little bit about these SQ albums and uh, and our feelings from listening to them today? I feel good. I do too. Um, the I I guess. One thing that's interesting is for a set of arrangement albums by a single uh, a single company, they do a great job of of getting a bunch of different arrangers with a bunch of different styles. Um, the the there are all the chiptune albums that have lots of nice uh, chiptune arrangements, but also. Um, the, the non-Triptune albums have a lot of different styles that they pull together and a lot of different themes and I really like how they, they do that. They don't like stick to one uh, one style throughout all of these albums. Um, yeah, that's what I think really makes this interesting. That's what separates them from uh, Falcom Super Range or SST Band or any other long-running series in the past. Right, yeah, definitely. Because I, I think it'd be a little less interesting to, to concentrate on one of those, where you'd be getting really very similar styles over and over again. Um, so this this just had a great amount of variety. Um, the other thing that's interesting, I think, is that they keep trying new things. Like, every album they bring in some of the same people, because they're tried and true, but they're always some that are new, and, and they're totally gambling, like, on the Dragon Dragoon album, which we decided not to play, it was almost all new arrangers. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I feel like they were just testing the waters on that one. Right. Yeah, and the different albums definitely, uh, even within like the Final Fantasy Chips albums, I was listening to those in a row, and um, those even have their own styles based on uh, who they brought in for, to do the arranging. Oh, totally. I mean, you listen to, I think 7 and 8 were probably the closest, but beyond that, I mean, 11 was just bizarre, while 10 was a lot more down-to-earth. Right, exactly, exactly. 
And part of that is that the Final Fantasy albums were usually either two or three artists, whereas the mainline albums usually have a different one for every track. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, um, Alright. Also, I just think it's interesting that these seem like they've been successful. I mean, considering they've made 20 of them. Right. Not to mention, they also produce retailer-exclusive bonus discs for every one of them now. Yeah. And so yeah. there's... They always have exclusive tracks, which means there's not only this, there's three other SQ Swing things out there floating around with tracks you'll probably never hear. Right, exactly. But yeah. despite that, you know, nobody else is really coming out with anything similar yet. No, and it's it's too bad that that things like this are really only available in Japan, where obviously they they sell well in Japan, and they probably wouldn't sell that well in the U.S. But I I feel like that it'd be great if they could get a chance over here, so that people could buy these albums and actually have them on CD, and um, that'd be pretty cool. Well, remember, I believe some of these are on iTunes. That's true. I think. Um, Looking into it, I think at least some of them are on iTunes, and at least some of them are available like on Amazon MP3. Um, so definitely check those out if you're interested in in these albums. Uh, check them out and see if you can find them in those places and um, support Square for it, since we want them to make more of these. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, great. Any? I don't think I have anything else. Do you have anything else you wanted to say about these albums? Uh, I, I think we covered it pretty well. Alright, great. Um, let's talk about a little more end of the show business. Um, we've, uh, I wanted to mention that we've gotten a few comments and emails recently, uh, so that's great. It's always great to hear from listeners, and, uh, definitely keep leaving your comments. Uh, our website is, um, uh, podcast.rainwave.cc. Our email address is uh, podcast at rainwave.cc. So definitely uh, send us some messages. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, if you have any suggestions or whatnot. Um, yeah, we read all of them. Yeah. Both of them. <laughs> um, and so next episode, I think we're going to be playing uh, all music that has vocals in it, um, which I think should be a, an interesting episode because... A lot of people like video game music partly because a lot of it doesn't have vocals, um, so it's easy to do work to, to do programming or homework or whatever. Um, but I think a lot of people miss out on a lot of good music that has vocals in it. So I think it'll be great to to explore that and and share some some good uh, good singing in our video game music. Oh, it'll be fun. I mean, vocals. It's polarizing, which means, I don't know, I'm looking forward to playing stuff that I know people aren't going to get. Right, me too. Yeah, I, I've started looking into it already, and there's going to be a lot of, a, a large variety, and some of it I'm sure people will like a lot, and some maybe not so much, but I, I think it will definitely be worth a listen. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> me too. Okay, uh, anything else? No. Okay, then I'll, I'll go ahead and close out the show with my last track. Um, this is going to be a track from Battle SQ, which I think is 
um, mostly focused on battle themes and uh, that type of thing. Um, though this track comes from the Battle SQ uh, limited edition album, which uh, the second disc had some themes not quite related to battles. So uh, this last one is going to be the Final Fantasy en ending medley uh, Novo Whiskey remix. Um, obviously, Novoisky, and uh, it's by the artist Novoisky. Um, I'm not actually sure which Final Fantasy games this comes from, uh, but we'll give it a listen and try to figure it out. And if we do, we'll post it on the site. Um, but I'm glad to see you picked this album because it's not really like there's a lot of battle music on here, but it's also thematically the harshest and most aggressive album in your entire catalog. Like, yeah, it starts out with an intense dubstep version of Final Fantasy Victory Jingle. Right, right, yeah. And if you this... go into some serious heavy metal, it's really wild. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy stuff on this album. A lot of um, heavy electronic music and some hard rock and metal. and So it's definitely uh, quite a bit different from a lot of their other albums. Um, so I think that's about it. Uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>